Shalom and good evening from Galilee, from Israel. This is Amir Tsarfati. It's been a while since I was with you here, updating you on events. It's due to my very intense uh, traveling uh, uh, plan. Um, I just came back a few days ago from Europe. Uh, within five weeks, we covered seven countries. Thankfully, I'm back. And um, what a unbelievable 20 hours uh, we went through. If you were following me on Telegram, you uh, in the last 20 hours, we went from, uh, you know, very, very interesting first report on something that is going on in uh, the city of Rostov, all the way to a few minutes ago, the, um, the latest announcement of the leader of the Wagner group, that they are turning their soldiers around back to their bases and the assault on Moscow is over. So let's try and analyze what happened in the last 20 hours. There's a lot of, there's more questions and answers I can tell you up front, but uh, let's, let, let's see what really happened, who was fighting against who, and what is it that we can learn from all of this? And the bottom line is, how is Israel going to be affected by it? Because remember, 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 I always tell you, Bible prophecy is not about nations and their relations between one another or within one another or within themselves, but it's nations and what they do in or to Israel. So we'll, we'll try to analyze that as well. So before that, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are in full control of everything that is happening around uh, the world. Father, I thank you that you declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. We look at world events and uh, we understand that you are not only in full control, but everything that man is trying to do, you always turn it into something that you can use. So we thank you for that. We bless your name, and we uh, give you this hour in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So again, shalom, everyone. This is Amir Tsarfati. I'm in Galilee, Israel. This is not a Middle East update, uh, not as, at least not today. Uh, there's so much to talk about the Middle East, and I'll do that in the next few days. But uh, today we're going to talk about what happened in Russia over the last 18 to 20 hours. I woke up in the middle of the night and I found out two things. I found out first that a lot of Wagner group soldiers told their families that they're leaving the house and told them that in the next 24 hours, they need to understand what's going on via the television. In other words, they were preparing for something. And then we saw a sequence of events that led to a convoy of thousands of armed uh, Russian uh, troops of Wagner Group approaching the outskirts of Moscow as of about 45 minutes ago. Now, what happened? Who started it? Who are the, the Wagner Group? What is um, Prigozhin's uh, reason to start all of this? This is the right place to try and understand it. First of all, 
just so you understand that uh, Russia is involved in many different places around the world, in places where it prefers not to have its official soldiers on the ground. And this is exactly why, just like America, by the way, make no mistake, America has its own private contractors or private security forces that are doing contractors' jobs for the Ministry of Defense without ident being identified as American soldiers, of course. And so if they die, they're not American soldiers who died in enemy's camp. This is exactly the same thing about less than 15 years ago, we have... Uh, um, a lieutenant colonel in the Russian special forces that uh, he, um, he, he you know, retired, Mr. Utkin. Um, and Lieutenant Colonel Utkin, he's the one who started a group of mercenaries for, uh, that uh, basically he recruited them from ex-special uh, forces units. And um, his code name on the radio was Wagner. Wagner is the uh, composer that Hitler loves the most, which, uh, Richard Wagner. And uh, we, we, from what we understand, Utkin was a sort of a admirer of, of uh, Hitler. Some say that he, he even had a few Nazi tattoos on his body. I cannot confirm that. What I do know is Wagner became then later on the code name of the entire group. A few years ago, uh, one of the suppliers for the uh, Kremlin's uh, food, uh, uh, Evgeny uh, Prigozhin, Prigozhin uh, a Jewish guy, by the way, he was promoted to become the uh, leader of the Wagner group. That's what he was known as Putin's chef. Uh, in fact, there's some photos circulating around of him serving Putin's uh, food and he became very close friend of Putin. He knew all the ins and outs in Moscow and when he became uh, the leader, quite a few things happened, including the annexation of Crimea in 2014, um, the involvement of, 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 of Russia in Syria uh, ever since 2012-2013, and the involvement of Russia in Libya, the involvement of Russia in Sudan, the involvement of Russia in other places around the world. This is where Russia preferred not to send its own soldiers but to send those Wagner groups. Uh, and even in Syria, I know that during the time of President Trump, um, the Wagner group uh, tried to cross the Tigris River uh, and take over the oil and the gas fields that were controlled by the American forces. And at least 600 of the Wagner group soldiers were killed in one assault uh, uh, that uh, went wrong and uh, the US uh, forces killed them on the ground. Of course, no one in Russia said that Russian soldiers were killed. No one in Russia even reported that because they were not counted as Russian soldiers. You understand that? And so ever since 2014, they're invested in Ukraine. They're also there on the ground in the um, Donbass area, in Donetsk and Lugansk area, um, assisting the local, uh, uh, you know, uh, independent forces there. And then, of course, the Ukraine war began a year and uh, a year and four months ago, exactly today. And uh, what happened is that uh, uh, there was a rift. There was a big uh, clash between uh, 
Sergei Shoigu, Shoigu, Sergei Shoigu is the uh, Minister of Defense, um, and Evgeny Prigozhin, which is the leader of Wagner. Prigozhin more than once uh, basically accused the Ministry of Defense for not supplying his soldiers with ammunition and, and air support and all of that in their war in Ukraine, especially in the last big battle that lasted a few months in Bakhmut, where uh, he lost tens of thousands of soldiers over there. Now, when the mercenaries that were coming out of, you know, those units, when they were uh, gone because they died, there was a need for some more uh, cannon fodder, uh, fodder, uh, fodder there. And, uh, and uh, what, what uh, Prigozhin basically uh, came up with is, let's go to the prisons of Russia and recruit people from over there. Let's offer them to join Wagner, tell them to fight, and if they, are, if they survive, they will be pardoned and released from jail. More than once, Wagner soldiers who, were, uh, who survived battles and went back home, went back to crime, killed, raped, and um, you know, did some terrible crimes there because that's who they were, criminals who were released from prison only because they were ready to um, risk their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the Wagner group is far worse than the Russian military. In fact, Evgeny Prigozhin basically uh, blamed the Russian Ministry of Defense for being too soft in Ukraine, for not doing the right thing, for not bombing them the right way, for not you know, using strong uh, hand against the uh, Ukrainians. Um, and trust me, a lot of people were shivering uh, in Europe just from the thought that Prigozhin might even replace Putin because he's right now one of the most popular politicians in, uh, in, in, in Russia. He is saying the truth to the people. In fact, throughout the last 20 hours, he even said to the Russian people, you have a very corrupt president, and uh, there was really no reason for the war in Ukraine. He, he said that. Look, it's one thing for NATO and the Ukraine to say that, but it's another thing for a commander of a military force that fights in Ukraine to say that. And he said that. He said everything. He even said that, that um, Russia needs a new president, that Putin took the wrong side. There's a lot of stuff that was said today that um, I'm sure Putin did not like. Putin actually, I don't know if we have the video, but he went on a, uh, on a uh, speech today and he looked terrible. He looked very, very angry, very tense. Um, maybe if you could look at him. Uh, he, look, uh, he looked way more tense than when he announced the special operation in Ukraine today. He basically said here that the Wagner group stabbed the nation in its back, that they're criminals, that they should be dealt with, uh, that, uh, I mean, a lot of stuff. So both sides basically um, accused one another for be, being the wrong people at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, um, and that's exactly what happened um, throughout the day. Uh, it was very interesting to see 
how easy it was for the Wagner group to take over one city after another. It was very interesting to see that brigades and border patrols and air force and, and other officers of the Russian military literally handed over control to the Wagner group um, and joined them. Uh, in fact, I would, tell, I would tell you this, the assumption up until an hour and a half ago was that Prigozhin is going to enter into um, Moscow and take over. Um, it, it was, you know, they advanced. Take a look at this map. They advanced for, from early this morning. They took over Rostov, which is a border city. Uh, let's go to the other one and, and show you this. There's another map that I want to show you. To the right, you can see Rostov is right there, uh, right by the sea. And you can see it was on the border with Ukraine. And Rostov, from Rostov, which is next to the Ukrainian uh, border and Crimea, they moved on all the way. Uh, to uh, um, Voronezh, Voro uh, excuse me, and from Voronezh they continued all the way towards Moscow. I mean, the, literally, they they stopped already in the territory of the Moscow Oblast, Moscow Oblast, which is the Moscow uh, region, the Moscow uh, um, uh, you know territory, not the city itself, but but the uh, the county. Um, and along the way, it, it, it was phenomenal. You know, soldiers gave, gave up instantly without fighting. The only thing that, that happened is that few helicopters bombed the convoys of Prigozhin along the way. I think we have a video of a, a Russian helicopter that was bombing the convoy. Um, maybe I can show it to you. There you go. So the Russian helicopters, you can see firing a rocket and boom, he is hitting part of the convoy right there. Now, this happened a few times in the area of uh, Rostov and Voronezh, and um, as, as they move all the way up, or, uh, up, up ahead. It's amazing how immediately uh, Putin um, disconnected bridges around Moscow, brought some tractors. By the way, yeah, there you go. You see how, look what they did. And these are all uh, parts of the bridges on the Oka River, which is, uh, you know, in the uh, larger ring around Moscow. Now, I also want you to know, folks, um, I want you to know that um, a lot of videos and maps and photos and information you can get on my Telegram channel. Uh, take a look at this. Uh, this is our QR code. If you can just pull your phone and read and scan the code and follow me on telegram trust me you will not find it elsewhere this is important information i by the way i don't believe this is over because i don't see honestly i don't see how soldiers that just were about to remove putin from power can turn around and go and fight for putin right now see um so i don't think this thing is over yet although Prigozhin just uh released half an hour ago, this audio message. I don't know if we can hear it, but let me try to play it for you. Uh, let me try. Here it is. Time, we... 
Basically, what he said, look, we've, we've reached the outskirts of Moscow. We don't want Russian blood to be shed. So um, we'll do whatever we can to de-escalate the situation. And I order my soldiers to turn around and go back to the, to the um, uh, front lines in Ukraine. Look, I want to tell you something. I, I'm not sure what happened, but I can tell you that this was a good exercise to see who is for Putin and who is against him. Very interesting. Guess who were there to support him? The Uganda uh, uh, leader, I think, if I'm not mistaken, do we have the photo of, yeah, Uganda will send soldiers to Moscow to defend Putin if needed. The son of the president said, I'm not sure. You know, there's a song, that's what friends are for. You know, interesting. And also the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, they said that um, he, they helped Assad in Syria and they will help Putin if needed. Of course, Iran is invested heavily with the Russians. Iran wants the business of sending weapons and drones to Russia. Iran wants to buy Russian oil. Iran wants to sell Russia its crude oil. Iran wants to stay friends with Russia, so Iran had to say whatever it said. Um, there was a phone call between uh, Putin and Erdogan, and immediately, I don't know if we have the photo of Erdogan yet, they did talk today, uh, it's interesting because Erdogan uh, didn't really say that he's supporting Putin, but he said, I need to, we need to find a way to de-escalate the situation. The, um, the Kremlin said that Erdogan vowed to stand by Putin. So everyone had his own version of this phone call. But I will tell you something very interesting that happened. Um, and that's a an announcement of the editor-in-chief of RT, the Russian uh, propaganda channel. And I want to show you what she said. Very interesting, uh, very, very interesting what she said, okay? So um, here it is. That's what she, that's what she said, okay? Margarita Simonian. The editor-in-chief of the Russian RT channel said, there is no doubt that Prigozhin's rebellion is coordinated and directed by the secret services of the United States, Great Britain, and watch this, and perhaps also one country in the Middle East, such as Israel or Turkey. <laughs> and then they reported that there was a great conversation between Putin and Erdogan, which basically leaves Israel as a suspect in this whole thing. Now, it's very interesting because Prigozhin is Jewish. So I'm just thinking about two Jews. One is Zelensky, who is fighting Putin, and one is Prigozhin, who, is, who was Putin's best friend until a few hours ago. And now he vowed to remove Putin. And I'm trying to think, adding this two to the accusation that most likely Israel's Secret Service is part of this whole, you know, conspiracy together with America and the UK to remove Putin. And I can only imagine what is running in the mind of Vladimir Putin right now when it comes to Israel. It's very interesting. 
Very interesting because uh, a few days, I think yesterday on Telegram, I actually said the following thing. I, I quoted the U.S. Air Force commander and um, the U.S. Air Force commander said the following thing. Are you, are you with me? Look what he said. Russia's blatant aggression against U.S. forces in Syria's airspace could lead to a similar action against Israel, which is certainly a source of concern for the Pentagon. That's what he said. America suspects that Russia is going to attack Israel from Syria. The RT channel, which is the propaganda machine of the Kremlin, is suggesting there's a good chance that Israel is behind this whole coup attempt that Prigozhin was involved in. And we don't look good right now in the eyes of the Russians, as well as Putin himself. Now, let me tell you that no one is happy in Russia right now. Prigozhin's supporters are super angry that he turned the soldiers around. Putin's soldiers and Putin's supporters are super angry that he's willing to pardon Prigozhin and his soldiers and just let it go. And it appears that the person that is going to pay the price for what we are watching is uh, Sergei Shuigo, uh, the defense minister. Now, I read today something very interesting, which uh, I really didn't know. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Yes, I read on one of the uh, Telegram channels of the Russians that um, Prigozhin's and his supporters want Russia to be ruled by Russian uh, how do they call it? They call it ethnic Russians. Yes, not someone else. And I'm like, what do you mean? Ethnic? I mean, who is not ethnic Russian in the Russian leadership right now? And lo and behold, lo and behold, I found out there's a group called the Tuvans or Tuvans or tu Tuvans. And uh, these are Turkic ethnic group, indig indigenous to Siberia, who lives in Russia, Mongolia, and China. They speak Tuvan, Siberian, Turkic language. And um, apparently, believe it or not, Sergei, let me see uh, the noble, notable people. Yes, Sergei Shoigu, the, the Russian Minister of Defense and General, is a Tuvan which means he is held as a not a real ethnic original Russian. Remember, the guy that started Wagner was someone who belonged to us, this pure Slavic uh, group. Um, and, uh, you know, he didn't like all the others. So very interesting how your ethnicity, your even your tribal affiliation plays a big role. You would think that by 2023, nobody is talking about those things, but apparently a lot are talking about these things. And believe it or not, I strongly believe that the Jewish roots of Prigozhin will play a significant role in how he will be framed as a 
collaborator of Israel, collaborator of the Israeli Secret Service and all of this thing. Of course, this is all <laughs> the fruit of the imagination of the Russians because Prigozhin up until three days ago was actually fighting for Moscow. It is one of the major reasons why Moscow is okay on the battlefield in Ukraine. If it wasn't for the Wagner group soldiers, Russia would have lost already long time ago in many of the front lines in Ukraine right now. Uh, the, again, the Wagner groups, they're brutal. And again, as I said, the Europeans were terrified just from the thought that somebody worse than Putin can actually get access to nuclear power and become the leader of Russia. And so, believe it or not, all those that hate Putin had a sigh of relief when they heard that Prigozhin stopped this attack on Moscow. Sigh of relief, because they know there's actually someone worse. Somebody said once that the devil that you know is better than the devil that you don't know. And in this case, Prigozhin and uh, the people that he's leading, um, they're gruesome. They're, I mean, it's, it's quite, quite amazing. So I want to tell you, folks, I'm not sure what happened. And I'm not sure how can the Wagner group go back to fight for Russia, for Putin, for the Ministry of Defense um, after this type of thing. During the day, Prigozhin uh, soldiers shot down three helicopters and one cargo transport plane of Russians with Russian paratroopers. So quite a few people died today on both sides. Uh, I mean, the Russian military lost planes and soldiers, and the Prigozhin's group were uh, attacked uh, in their convoys by Russian helicopters, and dozens have died. So I'm not, I'm not sure how it's going to be explained, but I, I, I am not convinced that this whole thing is over yet. But I will tell you that uh, while all this happened, quite a few uh, government planes left Moscow towards St. Petersburg. In fact, we have, I think, a map showing those planes routes. Those are the two planes, and they were flying to, um, to uh, these are the, I think we know exactly their tail number. And these are, there's an Airbus 319, and there's an Ilyushin, and um, we have the registration number. At least one of them, the Ilyushin one, is a plane that was normally transporting the Russian president. And so the rumors were that Putin actually fled Moscow towards St. Petersburg. But then at the same time these news came out, the um, spokesman of the Kremlin, Dmitry Peskov, released a statement that Putin is in the Kremlin still working, trying to show that the business is as usual with Vladimir Putin. Look, it went too far and too easy for the Wagners, and they gave up too far and, and too easy and too fast. So I have to ask myself, was it all planned? Was it a false flag? Was it some, maybe was it, Maybe it was a way to remove Shuigu from being the Minister of Defense by telling him, look, we almost lost our 
um, control over the country. And uh, if if Prigozhin is angry with you, in order to have peace with him, let's sacrifice you. That that could be a, another one because, from what I understand, and um, I've read all the news, uh, it says one of the commitments that Wagner's army accepted as a condition for the stop. Uh, is extensive changes in the Ministry of Defense. So, you know, allow me to guess that Shuigo is um, is probably not going to stay there for too long. Folks, a lot has happened. Russia is very fragile. And about two hours ago, I was thinking to myself, if indeed this will escalate to a an all, I guess, um, uh, siege on Moscow, then Putin has two options. He's in a cross crossroads, two options. One, to say, okay, I'm ending the special operation in Ukraine because I have to deal with a, a much more severe situation right now. Or the opposite, he will escalate his actions and drop the nukes uh, in order to finish at least one of the two um, of the two um, wars that he's engaged uh, with. Um, I Another thing that was reported throughout the day was that the, the Wagner group is in control, in possession of some nuclear arms uh, that belong to the Russian military. Um, of course, they are part of the Russian military in a sense, and they know where it is and they know how to get there. And of course, the Russian soldiers lost faith in this whole war. So they gladly uh, joined Wagner. I mean, thousands of Russian soldiers joined Wagner today. And that tells you how much Prigozhin was smart to, to do what he did at this present moment. Um, so my point is, my point is that, you know, nukes are right now not safe. They're not safe. The, they can be used by Wagner if he wants. Um, they can be used by Putin if he chooses to. And, and allow me to guess that if, if, if Putin will use it, it will be in collaboration and coordination with the Wagner group in order to satisfy the Wagner group and to bring an end to one front so he can de-escalate the situation with the other one. So I, I actually think that uh, what happened today is a milestone, a very important you know, event that will um, escalate and I would even call it, uh, um, it will um, move fast the developments both with Ukraine and with Israel. Make no mistake, I don't think that Putin is in love with what he's hearing regarding the involvement of Israel, regarding all the, this whole thing. Now, throughout the day, I was also thinking to myself, if there is a good time to attack Iran, this is now when Russia is too busy. Iran is too afraid because of what's going on in Russia. And uh, everybody is looking at Russia, and we could use the moment. But um, seeing how fast Prigozhin gave up, 
and turn around, I'm thinking to myself, thank God we didn't do anything because we could have found ourselves in a very embarrassing situation. So I will keep you updated throughout the night. I don't think it's over. I think there is a methodical pause right now for all sides to regroup. I cannot see how these same soldiers who were on their way to Moscow to replace the president will now turn around, go back and fight for that president, which they held as an enemy a few minutes ago. And so I'm telling you folks, I don't think it's over for now. Things might be um, a bit calmer, but uh, I don't see a complete agreement that was signed and agreed upon by the two parties right now. I, I actually don't see how Russia can live with the understanding that someone who was on his way to Moscow to replace Putin is still a commander of a military force that is fighting on behalf of Russia. All of this doesn't make sense to me. So unless it was a pre-organized uh, and collaboration with, with, with the president himself, which I don't think it was, or we have not heard the last accord in this whole saga. Again, uh, it's very interesting. I anticipated this whole thing in my newest novel that is not released yet. The third of the three um, of the three um, um, fiction novels that are around uh, Ezekiel 38 participants. It's called Out of the Far North. This is the new of the, of the three. There is, uh, by the way of deception, Operation Yoktan, Out of the Far North. In fact, uh, you can, there's quotes about Prigozhin, about the Wagner group, and about Putin in this book that refers to what we just saw today. So I'm not a prophet. I always tell people I come from a nonprofit organization, but I could see it. We all can see it. things are happening because they've already been boiling and cooking for a while. And so Steve and I definitely touched that in the newest of the three. I don't know if you can see it, but Operation Yoktan was the first. Then by way of deception came, uh, well, by way of deception is this one about Iran. And this one is the latest out of the far north. This is the Kremlin. This is near Tavor right here. And uh, one of the best thrillers that you can get also to read about this situation and understand Ezekiel 38 much better. Okay, listen, guys, if you want to understand more, follow me on, Inst on, um, on Telegram. And this is the QR code. Scan it. Follow me on, the, on Telegram. Um, I will update you in a few days about uh, the uh, coming agreement between the U.S. and Iran. Believe it or not, I can't believe it. I'm even saying that. And uh, we'll talk more about the Middle East in our next update. Please share this with as many people as you can. And let's continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and let's pray for the will of God to be done. And let's uh, keep our eyes on what's going on around us, but more so on the promises that God gave us in the Bible. 
let's uh, end up with the ironic blessing the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you his peace Hashem yeshua amen thank you i love you god bless you i just uh, rushed all the way from my house i cel we celebrated my little boy's 10th birthday this is the youngest and um so i'm going back there right now to say goodbye to whoever is there thank you again god bless you and shalom from galilee bye bye the Amir Sarfati and Behold Israel channel on Telegram. Here you will receive daily updates and audio messages from Amir. You can also take part in our community and reply with comments. Getting started is easy. Simply download Telegram from the App Store, then visit the Behold Israel Telegram channel in your browser. From there, click Preview Channel, then click Join. That's it. See you on Telegram.